The joy of the Lord is my strength. Good morning, good morning, good morning. As, uh, as I'm making my way up here, why don't we all stand up so that we can release our children to Children's Church. Uh, kids three years old through kindergarten, is that right? I don't have the slide, so I don't know. I'm just making this up. Um, three years old through kindergarten. You may pass at this time. Um, and hey, that's cool, y'all. I, I, y'all don't get to see them come through the back as much, but I love watching these guys go to Children's Church. It, uh, it is so exciting. Um, I wish some of y'all ran into church with that kind of enthusiasm. I'm just saying, we don't come in looking near that excited. I don't know what they do in there, but it's a lot better than what happens in here, apparently. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. I just like to make it easier on them. That's why I had you stand up. Um, well, good morning. I want to welcome everybody. If you are joining us uh, online, we want to welcome you as well. Um, we are, are glad that you are here and that you've chosen to be with us. Um, before we jump in this morning, I do want to talk about one thing that I've been uh, uh, pushing and pumping up lately, and that is our newcomers class. Um, I changed it. At first, I called it a new members class, but I realized that was turning some people off. And I, I, there's there's no uh, there's no secret handshake. There's no membership card. There's no uh, qualification for you to uh, show up for this thing. It's going to be on March the sixth in the fellowship hall immediately following worship. So we'll finish here. We'll go. Over there there will be lunch provided um, and so you don't even have to worry about food you come and and if you're worried about your kids there'll be child care provided and uh, now some of y'all are like oh really I'm staying I don't um, but child care and lunch will be provided um, we're going to talk about uh, just uh, some of the things that make us a church and we're going to answer big questions like um, I don't know uh, why don't we take communion every Sunday um, when other churches don't. We're going to answer little questions like, who do I talk to to get uh, connected to a small group? Or how do I get involved in children's ministry? Or whatever. And so there's all kind of things that are going to go on there. And uh, I'm trying to make it clear. I had a couple people ask me, is this uh, the ministry fair where we're going to do all the going around to different tables like we've done before? That's not what this is. This is for people who are new to the Church of Christ, new to Huntsville Church of Christ. And you've been sitting there wondering, what about this? What about that? We're going to hopefully try to answer all those questions. So, in order to know how much food to provide, we need to know that you're coming. And uh, so, if you think there's a chance you might come, go ahead and sign up, either out here at the Hub or call the office, email the office. We would love to know that you plan on being here so that we can make plans for your attendance. Having said all that, that is March the 6th. Um, we're moving into uh, the next of our series. Um, we're calling Day 41. And the premise is that uh, all of us go through 40 days of struggle, of trial, of whatever. And that's not a literal 40 days. That is a metaphor for a time of testing, a time of struggle, a time of suffering. And all of us have experienced something like that in our lives. But how do we move on? How do we make the next step? And that is what we are calling Day 41. Now, an, an old man was walking down the road, and uh, he and his dog and his mule, they were walking down the road when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this truck comes flying around the corner and, and 
kind of slams, bumps, knocks the man, the mule, and the dog into the ditch. The truck careens to a stop, slides, gravel and stuff spewing everywhere. The, and, and so the, the man, a couple of months later, decides he's going to sue the individual who was driving the truck. So there's a big court case that uh, happens about this, and they're in court, and while they're in court, the farmer himself is on trial. Not on trial, he's on the witness stand. And the the defense attorney, I mean the prosecutor, the defense attorney is grilling him. And he's saying, sir, is it or is it not true that on the day in question, you said, I am perfectly fine? The farmer said, well, see, we were walking. No, sir, I don't want to hear all that. I want you to answer yes or no. On the day in question, did you say, I am perfectly fine? Well, see, me and my mule and my dog, we were walking. No, sir, no, sir, we don't want to hear all that. Yes or no, on the day in question, did you not say, I am perfectly fine? Well, sir, see, me and my mule and my dog, and finally the judge says, look, the guy's obviously wanting to tell us something. Let's just let him tell us. And so the guy says, well, on the day in question, me and my mule and my dog were walking. This truck came around the corner. He, he, he knocked us all three into the ditch. Then he careened to a stop. He got out of the truck, and he walked over. He looked down at my dog. He went back to the truck, and he got a gun. He came out. He shot my dog. Then he went over to my mule. He kicked my mule a little bit. Then he shot my mule. Then he walked over to me and said, how are you? And I said, I am perfectly fine. Because our perspective makes a little bit of difference. I am perfectly fine sounds a little bit different than what he was actually saying. Perspective makes all the difference. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. That that our perspective, the story changes based on my perspective. The story changes based on my focus and how I see the world. It's all about perspective. It affects our attitude, our understanding, and even our relationship with God. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning. In Exodus 24, we're going to see two different perspectives on the same event. Now, Exodus 24, you can remember the children of Israel have been taken out of Egypt. They have been led into the wilderness. They come to Mount Sinai, and as they are at encamped around the mountain, the, the glory of the Lord descends on the mountain. There's smoke, there's fire, there's lightning, there's thunder. It is an amazing sight to behold. And we pick it up in Exodus chapter 24, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood, put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey. 
Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank. Stop right there. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 elders of the people go up on this mountain, and they are in the presence of God. I I can't emphasize that enough. They are in the presence of God. They see God. And and, and what they see, they can only explain the pavement. Isn't that amazing? I can't describe to you what I saw. I can just say the ground looked like this. That's how amazing it was. The Bible says in verse 10, they saw the God of Israel. Now, that is no small thing. They saw the God of Israel. They experienced the very presence of God. A central theme throughout the Bible is the presence of God. How does God interact with His people? Biblical writers imagine a a lot of different ways which God is present with His people. Here at Sinai, we see the glory of God being present in a descending cloud and a devouring fire. And elsewhere, God is said to be present in the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, He is in the tent of meeting that Mark referenced earlier. He is in the temple that will be built in Jerusalem. It's all about God's presence. But it's significant that Moses and Aaron both see God. Now Moses goes up and communes with God. They both eat and drink here. They both commune with God. But Moses goes up and connects with God. And and they both see God. And then 40 days comes. 40 days and nights can seem like an extremely long time. If you're 40 days and nights and and you're, uh, you're, you're waiting on something, it can seem forever. Um, I had a friend, a, a preacher, who tried to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and he couldn't do it. It was just too much for him. I know, you know, Jesus did it, but he ain't Jesus. Um, but but it, it, it's a long, long time. And, and that's how long it took for God to teach Moses the design of this new nation. This new nation was going to be like nothing the world had ever seen before. This new people was, was going to be a nation of, 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 of healthy relationships between God and humanity. Uh, it was going to be a, a, a nation where all human beings were honored and, and, and people were, were, were lifted up. Starting with the Ten Commandments, people needed to understand that, that God was due respect and everyone else was due respect as well. Israel would be a nation that worshipped the one true God. Um, and, and God was, was holy, and, and not to be worshipped in any kind of strange, uh, weird way. It was very specific, very detailed. This was going to be a, a community where the Sabbath day was kept holy, giving everybody one day of the week to set aside from their work and their stress and focus solely on worship of God. 
These were to be godly relationships with your neighbors, including family members, household members, the ones who live next to you. There would be no lying or slander. There would be no, no envy or covetousness. This was, this was a way of life so much different than anything on earth. It took 40 days to explain to Moses what God had in mind. Moses is called up on the mountain with God for 40 days. Meanwhile, Aaron is sent down to take care of the people. For both of them, 40 days begins here. 40 days of not knowing where you're going. Not knowing what you're doing. I don't know who was more scared. Moses goes up into this smoke. He can't see. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's facing. He knows it's the most amazing thing he's ever witnessed in his life. He has seen this being take a a sea and make it dry. And that's pretty freaky. And he's going up to talk to this being. And that's got to be scary. Aaron, on the other hand, is sent down to this fickle, whiny group of people. And he's supposed to keep them in line until Moses gets back. Moses arrives at the top of the mountain. He's in a fog. There's covering of smoke everywhere. He doesn't know what's going on. And he realizes very quickly that he is not in control of this situation. Meanwhile, down in the camp, Aaron is dealing with an increasingly agitated group of people. As this 40 days stretches out, they start to get more and more anxious. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're supposed to be. They know that they also are very much not in control of this situation. See, this God that they're following is unpredictable. This God that they're following is is unlike anything that they've ever witnessed before. He is overwhelming and terrifying. He is too much. The gods that they're used to are a little more manageable. The gods that they're used to in Egypt looked a little bit more like them. The gods that they're used to in Egypt were a little bit more easy to get your hands on. These people wanted something they could see, something they could touch, and quite honestly, something that they could more easily control. And that's what they ask Aaron for. As we've seen already, it's easy to get lost in 40 days. It's easy to be in a place where you don't feel like you have any hope. It's easy to think that God has forgotten you. And when we settle into that thinking, it's easy to lose focus. The people demand of Aaron gods, Elohim is the Hebrew word, who will go out before them. And instead of denying this request, instead of redirecting or teaching, Aaron says, okay, And we look at this and shake our heads, but unfortunately, this happens all too often. In the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our 40 days, we, 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 feel, we feel abandoned, we feel without hope, we don't know where we're going, we don't know what we're doing, and, and we're out of control, and we're desperate to find something we can hold on to that we can control. And so we start looking for things that are a little bit more malleable, that are a little bit more understandable, that we can can take hold of because our God, Yahweh, is not that. He's not controllable. So they take the gold 
the blessings that God had given them when they left Egypt, and they used that to create an object that they can offer their worship to. I look at them and I shake my head and I go, how can you do this? But if I'm honest, I do the same thing. At one point in my life, I was a youth minister and I was uh, in a place where uh, I was, now I can look back and see I was teetering on a, a, a real depression. Um, I was in a congregation that I loved but this congregation was in the midst of a split. Many of you who've lived through that understand that. There were people I loved on both sides uh, of the issues, and some were going this way and some were going this way, and I was torn. I didn't know what to do. On top of that, I had just been dealing with a situation for the last year where I had walked some families a a that were in my youth group and in our congregation through a, a time where they had dealt with some abuse and, and some, some sexual abuse of their children that, that they, had had to, uh, they had had to figure out how to manage. And I was emotionally and spiritually drained. And I was in a place of 40 days. I was in a place where I was praying to God, but I felt like God wasn't listening. And instead of sitting there and waiting on God... I became enamored with other things. Churches came calling. Y'all don't know this, but, but preachers, it's like free agency in sports. I, I, I get calls and emails all the time. And uh, it, I'm sure Todd does. I, I'm, I'm sure, Hunter, if you haven't, you will. And, and they're going to they're gonna hit you up and say, uh, you know, well, this is our church. You want to come be our minister? We'll offer you this and this. And it, at that point in my life, I listened, and I became enamored with this big suburban church. And, and they were bigger than us, and they were flashier than us, and they had nicer facilities than us, and, you know, they looked so much better than us. You know why they looked so much better? Because I, I, didn't, I, I wasn't part of them. And, and, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Remember when you were a kid and you'd go over to your friend's house? You'd come home and go, man, I wish my parents were all as cool as they are. Their parents aren't cool either. They're just not your parents. You don't know them. You know the outside. You don't know the inside. And it's the same thing with churches. We look at some other church and we go, man, I wish our church was as cool as that church. That church is full of people just like your church. It's not any different. And, and, but we get there in that moment, and, and what we do is we end up making that into an idol because it's something I can hold on to. It's something I can control. At that point in my life, I felt like my life was out of control. I felt like I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. And the only thing I could control what, was this. And so I left, and I went to this other church, and, and I ended up failing that other church because I wasn't complete. And I was trying to do ministry out of Jeff. And that didn't work. Because following Jeff's not going to get you anywhere but in a ditch. We've got to follow Jesus and we've got to follow God. And when I try to do ministry outside of that power and that authority, it always ends up in a mess. And just like any idol, it failed. Whatever it is that we put our, 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 our weight of spiritual life on, if it's not God, it's going to fail because they can't carry that weight. No other church can carry that weight. No, no relationship 
can carry that weight. No, no family relationships, no job, no, no, no anything can carry the weight of godhood. It's always going to fail. But we keep trying. What's amazing to me here is Aaron and Moses had the same experience. They both went up on the mountain. They both saw God. They both communed with God. And Moses stayed on the mountain and focused on God while Aaron focused on the world around him. And that's where we mess up. Perspective makes all the difference. Moses was entirely focused on God. He was entirely hearing and communing with God. Aaron is focused on these people. I got to keep these people happy. I got to not make these people mad. I got to keep these people under control and I got to give them what they want. As we enter into day 41, it's important for you and I to remember where our focus is. If 40 days is a long time, whether that's literal or metaphorical, your time of struggle and suffering feels like an eternity. It feels like it's going on forever. But it's important to remember that even when you're down in the valley, God is still there on the mountain with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's still in the same place He was before. He is in the same place where you experienced Him before. But like Aaron, we get down at the bottom and instead of focusing on God, we focus on the people around us. And when we do that, we start creating idols that we think are going to save us. We, we, we find ourselves in the exact same place as Aaron. We, we have experiences in our lives where we can ex- have experienced God. You and I could both talk about times in our lives when we've felt the presence of God, when we've known that God was real and God was ministering to us, and, and, and we have experienced that presence just like Moses and Aaron did. But then we find ourselves in a time of struggle, and we start looking for something more tangible to hang on to. And instead of trusting in God, who we've seen do miracles, who we've been in the presence of, we start trusting in the things around us. What are you trusting in this morning? We have all kind of things that we create that we trust in. Some of us, it's our doctrine. It's our tradition. We want to focus on not God. We want to focus on our church. Because I go to the right church at the right place at the right time and do worship in the right ways, I'm going to be saved. I'm sorry, I love the church, I've devoted my life to the church, but the church is not a savior. The church cannot save you. Only God, only God through the blood of Jesus Christ can save you. And anything else that sits on that seat is an idol, even church. Is it your family? Your relationships, it's easy for us to get so caught up in, in my kids and my, my spouse and my, my, my family and my, my parents and my whatever it is. None of those things are bad, but when I put them at a place where I think they're going to fulfill me, they're going to lead me, they're going to guide me, they're going to fail because they can't hold the weight of Godhood. I had a young couple once came to me and they were experiencing struggle in their relationship and they told me about they were they were struggling with uh, 
all this uh, sexual temptation and with f- struggling with fulfillment in their relationships. And, and, I, and I asked them in the course of the conversation, have you given your relationship to God? And the young lady said, no, he'd break us up. Sometimes we know. But we hold on to that idol because it's there. It's comfortable. Right now, I see a lot of people who are, are making an idol out of their politics. That, that we're looking for, I don't care whether it's a donkey or an elephant, we're looking for somebody to save us. Save our country. And if we just get the right candidate in the right place at the right time, it'll all be okay. I'm sorry. Candidates can't save us. I don't care who they are. We've got to put our faith in Jesus. We've got to put our faith in God. We've got to regain that perspective. We've got to focus on the real power. When we lose that focus, we start reaching for all kind of things, and all those things are going to fail. Day 41 is a day of deliverance. It's a day of finding focus. When we walk out of that 40 days, if we're focused on God, we experience His power. We find healing. If we're focused on all this stuff around us, we end up just making a mess. This morning, if you need to regain that focus, maybe this is your time. Maybe this is your day 41. Maybe it's time to stop focusing on the problem. Stop focusing on the way you feel. Stop focusing on whatever it is that's had you all tied up for 40 days. And focus on God. Focus on the one who has the power to do something about it. Focus on the one who can change your life in a way that none of those other things have. This morning, it may be that you've known that deliverance that you've trusted in God, that you can remember a time when you experienced God in such a way that you gave your life to Him. But just like Aaron, you're down at the bottom of the mountain and you're too focused on everything around you. It's time to regain focus. The Bible says the glory of God came to dwell on that mountain. And in the same way, the Gospel of John says the glory of God came back to earth and made His dwelling among us in the person of Jesus Christ. That happened so that we could be in the presence of God forever. So that it's not a mountaintop. It's not some kind of smoke and fire. This is where the presence of God is not somewhere we go. The presence of God, the Bible says, when you become a Christian, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead comes to give life to your mortal bodies, lives inside of you. Now now the presence of God is not some temple you go to because you are the temple. And you're in the presence of God forever. So you don't need to be in a valley. That's how David can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. This morning, if you want to find true communion with the God of creation, if you want to experience the presence of God, you need to be in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, you're wandering around out here on your own. if, If you're not in Christ Jesus this morning. There's no better day and time than right now. Today can be your day 41 when you break free. If you need to rededicate, if you need to refocus, if you just need prayer, 
That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to offer you an opportunity to come and have somebody pray for you, have somebody pray with you. We're going to offer you an opportunity to publicly say, I'm done trying.